What a, what, a, what a great morning to be together. It's, it's so beautiful outside and even more beautiful to be with God's people in here. So thankful that you're here. I do see that uh, three of our interns are here with us today uh, that were mentioned earlier. So would you guys all stand up over here? Taylor just led us in the Lord's Supper. We see our girl intern and welcome them for being here with us this summer. We are really blessed in what's going to happen in our youth ministry. And uh, while we're honoring some people, uh, I would like to point out that yesterday was Ms. Nita Royal's 89th birthday. So Ms. Nita, would you stand up so everybody can see you? Ms. Nita has blessed us all for a long, long time around here, and we appreciate her and we celebrate with her this morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, today we come to the end of our revolution series. We'll probably do some more messages this summer out of the book of Acts. But uh, right now I want to, to draw this to an end. <clears throat> summer's upon us. And you can already tell people are beginning to travel. But the cool thing about summer is that we're going to have more free time than we, we have during the year. And as we close this um, series out, I, I'd like us to, to just have a little talk together. I'd like to, to call this maybe just a little heart-to-heart talk. If you're our guest today, uh, understand that, um, hey, we just want to be open and honest in this church and be everything that we can be. And so I, I want to, before we get back in the text, have your Bible, Mike, go and open up to Acts chapter 1. I just want to talk to you from my heart just for a moment. It's been so exciting over the last few months to be reading through the book of Acts. But, but in another way, it's been very disconcerting because as I read Acts, Frankly, I recognize how far I am from that, how far we are from Acts. In our movement, we've said for years and years to years that we want to be the church in the Bible, the church that Jesus dreamed about. I like that. I think that's right. And yet, as we open the book of Acts, we see so many areas that, that we don't replicate what was going on there. Their, their prayer life, their, their intensity of power with the Holy Spirit, the way they spread the gospel everywhere they went. It's just... It's just amazing. And so this morning, I want to challenge us as a church. There's been a feeling I've had for, for, for months. I've not really said anything about it until a few of you have come to me and said some of the same words that I was feeling, is that maybe something's missing in our church right now. That some sense of, uh, we probably in secular terms would say momentum or some sense of excitement is just not quite there. I don't know exactly how to quantify that. That's a feeling. I know some of you feel that way. Some of you may not. But I I do know some things. I do believe some some things. We're not reaching near the amount of people we ought to be reaching. We're not keeping near the amount of people that we ought to be keeping. I know every church loses people, but we're losing too many people out the back door. We're losing, frankly, too many of our children who walk away from the Lord. And and we're not serving to the extent we ought to serve. A church this size shouldn't constantly, every week, be scrambling to find people to serve, whether it's a greeter or a nursery worker or children's class teacher or you name it. And there's some things that, that you just go, that's not the way it would be if we were convicted like the people are we've been reading about in the book of Acts. Now, let me say this. 
it's easy to go, come on, buddy, you're just being a little hypersensitive now. Let's just be okay because this is a really, really good church. And it is. Uh, let me make this plain. Things go on in this church every Sunday that are amazing. God is always moving. There's always someone's life being changed, someone's marriage being saved, someone being brought out of a life of drugs into a life of sobriety and a life in Jesus Christ. So I, I'm not discounting that. And I could say to you, I get to go preach a lot of different churches around our fellowship. And, and I would just be frank with you. I don't go to any church that I go, wow, this is so much better than Landmark. In fact, I don't think I go to many churches that I think are as good as Landmark, if I can be honest. But here's what I want to say to you. That is not our standard. Our standard is not, this could be the best church we've ever been a part of, or it's better than the church I used to go to, or it's better than the church I visited on vacation the other day. Our standard is, we want to be the church that Jesus dreamed about, that Jesus gave his blood. And let's just be frank, we're not measuring up in those areas. This is our standard. Now let me um, say to you, I take great responsibility for this. As a person who stands before you every Sunday, who has the incredible privilege, responsibility, and burden to set the tone, my first thought is not to point at you guys. My first thought is to point at myself and go, I'm not doing what I need to be doing. And frankly, I've been looking at that for quite a while. And I'm thinking about that. And I, I would say to you, normally, guys, some kind of solution comes to me. I mean, I, mean, I, I read the books, you know, I go to the conferences, I try to consult with people uh, of churches, you know, that are really blowing and going and go, what is the secret? And, and lots of times you do that and you go, here's what we're missing. Here's what we need to do. Let me come in this Sunday morning and I'm going to give you five steps of us being the church we ought to be. But I, I want to just say to you, I don't know. I, I've tried those things. I've read those books. I frankly do not know what we need to do. And if you know me, that's sort of an unusual position for me, for me to think. I think normally, here's what we ought to do. But, but here's where I've come to in this, friends, is that's a really good place to be. It'd probably be a bad place if I knew what we ought to do. Because when you don't know, the only thing you can do is depend on God. The only thing you can do is to go to God. And today we're going to go back to the beginning of that revolution and that church in Acts. And we're going to read the very first, the very last words Jesus said to them before that church exploded. And I think he'll say some things to where we are today. I want you to know that the revolution is just beginning. And, and I don't want any one of us to be satisfied with where we are. But I want us to understand, I, I've got to understand this, that, that I don't have the answers, you don't have the answers, but, but Almighty God does. Amen? So let's look. Let's go and let's look at Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you'll see these, these words are in red because they sort of stand out as the last red words before Jesus goes back to heaven. And, and context-wise, 
the disciples are upset again because Jesus is about to leave. When Jesus died, they were, they were all uptight about what was going to happen. And, and now Jesus is about to leave. And, and again, they wonder what is going to happen and how would the movement continue? Will they have the boldness and strength that they didn't happen when Jesus died before? That they didn't happen when Jesus left and went to the grave? And here's what Jesus says to them. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want you to see a few things in this passage. That we will be revolutionaries when these things are true in our life. That this church will be a revolutionary church. Not just an average church. Not just a good church. Not just a church that makes me happy and meets the needs of my family. But a church that is truly revolutionary. Number one, when we are marked by His presence. Jesus says in this passage, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. Matthew chapter 28, He promised them, I will be with you. John 14, He said even further, not only will I be with you, I will be in you. You see, in John 14, he's anticipating this moment, and he knows how they're going to feel. And he says to them, let me me say this, guys, you're going to be better off than I'm leaving. And they go, you're kidding me, Jesus. Don't pull a joke like that on us, that we could be better off with you leaving. Yes, you will, Jesus says. Well, why? Because I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. Instead of one guy being in one place, the Holy Spirit is going to be in everybody, in every place, and you will have power that you would not have otherwise. You're going to be marked by His presence. And guys, listen to me. When you are marked by the presence of God, people notice it. When Daniel was in heathen Babylonia, they said about him, the Spirit of God was with him. When Peter and John are preaching so boldly now, so different than they were just a few days before this in Acts chapter 4, even the officials who were against them said, we can tell that these men have been with Jesus. People know when you're walking and marked with the presence of God. I I love when I hear stories. I remember a few years ago, someone who works at... uh, Alabama Christian Academy came to me and said, you know, buddy, they don't go to church here, but she said to me, she said, I'll watch all the people who go to church at Landmark who work at the academy, and there is something different about them. Don't you love that? Don't you love it when someone notices something different about you? I went to the restaurant the other day, and I was ordering my meal, and uh, I ordered my meal, and the girl looked at me, and she said, you're a pastor. And so I stopped and corrected her and said, no, I'm not a pastor. I'm a preacher. You only call the elders pastors. You need to get your life right. (laughs) No, I I didn't do that. (laughs) She said, you're a pastor. And I thought, oh my goodness, do I look sad? Do I look look constipated? I mean, what is going on here? You think there's something. And so finally she said to me, she said, um, she said, you know what? I could tell you were a pastor because you're just so happy. And just there was something in your voice that was different. And guys, we need to be marked that way. People need to notice whether it's you as the individual or us as a church, that there's something so different about us. I I love a story back in Exodus chapter 33, 
where God is so frustrated with his people, he finally goes to Moses and he says to Moses, he said, Moses, you guys can go into promised land, but I'm so sick and tired of you that I'm not going with you. And Moses is like, oh no, no. Listen to what Moses says. Moses says in verse 15, Exodus 33, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else would distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Guys, what distinguishes us from being different is not the name on the sign. What distinguishes us from being different is that we are marked with the presence of God. And Moses says to God, you may tell us we can go in the promised land, but let me make it plain to you, God, I'm not going without you. I'm, I'm camping out here, God, till you change your mind. And God changes his mind, and he goes with us. And I'm saying to us today, the first sign is that we are marked by his presence. The people walk in these doors. You know it, because some of you walked in these doors 10, 15 years ago, and you felt something the moment you walked in it. You felt the presence of God. You felt a church on fire. You felt people that cared like you hadn't met were marked by his presence. Number two, if we go back to Acts chapter one, Jesus saying that they were walking in power. They were walking in his power. He says, I'm leaving you and you're going to receive power. Understand this. With the presence of God comes the power of God. And when you have the power of God, you can do things you couldn't do otherwise. Did you hear that? When you have the presence of God, you have the power of God, you can do things that you couldn't do. When we have the presence of God and the power of God, we as a church can do things that are unexplainable without God. You ever tried to do something you couldn't do? I listened to a friend of mine a few weeks ago preach, Dave Clayton. He preaches for the Ethos Church in Nashville. And uh, he's just a young guy, but so on fire for God, just inspires me. And he was talking about when he was a teenager, he played sports. And at their, their school, they had what they call max night. And they would gather the school and all the athletes would be in the gym and they would max out on their weight. And so everybody's watching him. And he's a, he's a, a skinny ninth grader. And so he goes out there and he knows everybody's watching. So he puts more weight on the bars than he's ever, ever put in his life. And, and he's, he's been walking with the Lord for a long time. So he begins to pray to God, God, if ever I need you, it's right now. Lord, if ever I need you to come through, man, I'm in front of the whole school. I mean, if, 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 I could, if I could lift this, God, I'm not asking for five reps. I just want one rep. Just let it come down and come back up and I'll give you all the glory. And so he brings the weight down. It comes down to his chest. And man, he thinks, you know, God is going to come through. And all of a sudden, something comes through and he lifts the weight. And he thinks, wow. Until he looks over him and there's an eighth grade girl who plays on the soccer team. <laughs> that has walked over and helped lift the weights. He could do what he couldn't do without the presence of somebody else. And guys, that's us and the Holy Spirit. We can do things we can't do when the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Listen to me. Too much of what we do around here right now is explainable. We can explain it because we've got good people, we've got incredible elders, we've got a talented staff. That's nice. 
But, but we, we don't want just to do things, my friends, that are explainable. Because if they're explainable, it means God may be, not be in the middle of it. We want something where only God can get the glory. And so that's why we need not only to be marked with His presence, we need to be walking in His power. And that's what I love about reading the book of Acts. Is, is that what happens there is unexplainable without God. I love moments in the history of this church where God has done things that are just unexplainable. Had encounters over the last couple of weeks with two of our members that have reminded me of that. Saw Ron Smith Jr. just a few days ago, Brenda's son, and he was through here. And I remember when he had cancer and the doctors weren't giving him any hope. And the elders of this church prayed over him and anointed him with oil. And he went to the doctor and it was gone. And the doctor had no explanation. I, I, I saw Linda Dunham not too long ago. And I can remember the Sunday where God moved in here in such a powerful way. And uh, I was preaching. Paul Evans was leading singing. And uh, she came by the door. And, and, and you could tell she was so fired up. And she said, buddy, you're good. And Paul's good, but you guys aren't that good. It could only be God. And guys, what we need to stretch ourselves. See, often, guys, we're not willing to put ourselves out there. We're not willing to max out because we're sort of afraid maybe God won't come through. But listen to me. The only way we're going to find out if God is who he is and God is going to give us the power he's promised us is if we put ourselves out there beyond what you and I could do when we begin to do things that are unexplainable on our own power. Can I ask you, what are we doing as a church or what will we do as a church that can only be explained by the power of God? So marked by his presence, walking in his power, then one more thing I see out of that verse. They were captured by his purposes. He says, this thing's gonna, this thing's gonna explode. You, people are going to notice the presence of God. Uh, you're going to have a power you've never had. And, and here's what's going to happen. It's going to start here in Judea. And we've watched it the last few weeks, haven't we? And then it's going to go to where nobody, no Jewish person even wanted it to go. It's going to go to Samaria. It's going to start in Jerusalem. It's going to go to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's going to explode. Because these people were captured by his purposes. I love that word captured. Can I ask you, are you captured by the purposes of God? Are you obsessed with the will of God? Because when we're captured by something, we arrange our lives around it. Can I ask you, do we arrange our schedule around the purposes of God? Listen, my friends, we arrange our schedules around work. We make our children arrange their schedule around school. We arrange our schedule, certainly in this area of the country, around sports. You're going to arrange your schedule this summer to go on a vacation. You're going to arrange your weekends to land at the lake. And there's nothing wrong with those things. Before DVRs, we had to arrange our schedule around watching the TV program we wanted to watch. We, we do those things, don't we? But can I, can I ask you, can I ask me, when is the last time we arranged our schedule around the purposes of God? If I can be frank with you, what I see in many of us is the first thing to be dropped when my schedule gets busy is what's going on at church. 
The first thing I can skip is not that sporting event I want or that ball game my kids ought to play in. The first thing that gets skipped are things that have to do with the purposes of God. And my friends, we've got to be so captured that we are so blessed, so amazingly blessed that we get to be a part of this. I love the way Taylor put it today. It certainly helped me at the Lord's table to think about this like I'd never thought about it before. That God loves me. That he wants me. That God was captured by me and by you. And guys, our response to this is that we are captured by God. And and what happens is when you're captured by God, you begin to arrange your schedule around what God wants. Because you're captured by his purposes. My friends, we need to be captured by the purposes of God. I started a group a few, few months ago on Wednesday nights. We've got lots of groups that meet up here on Wednesday night. And, and I called it One More. And the idea behind the group was, let's just reach one more person for Jesus. And so basically what we do on Wednesday nights is we get together and we pray for lost people. And we pray for ourselves to be on a mission and we do a little bit of training. And it's, it's a really good time. But I'll be honest with you, I've been a little discouraged. Because um, we can't seem to get more than six to a dozen people to, to show up to pray about the purposes of God. Now, I'm not getting down on you because I know there are lots of other good things going on, but it is a little discouraging that, that we can't get more than, than just a half a dozen or a dozen people to meet and go, you know what, we, we're, we want at least once a week meet and pray that God would bring us one more person. And I've been discouraged recently and thinking, well, maybe, maybe this is just one of those groups that doesn't make it. But then the last week I've just been so encouraged by something. You, you saw the baptism of Sarah Hill. You saw her picture a few, few moments ago. Sarah was led to the Lord by Hunter Jackson. I, I don't know how many of you know Hunter, but if you've been to Landmark very long, you've heard of Hunter because Hunter has spent a lot of time on this front row. And Hunter's been very honest and open about his addiction to pornography, which months ago he finally kicked. But when we started the one more class, Hunter was there every week. And we would talk about who we were going to reach out to for Jesus and who we wanted to see a Christian. And Hunter was very insecure about it because Hunter's very, very shy. And he said, everybody I work with is atheist or agnostic and they make fun of me. And I just don't really think that God's ever going to be able to use me in this. But I want to show up in this class and pray about it. Well, he met Sarah Hill. And they connected. Not in some kind of romantic way. They just connected because both of them had come from family backgrounds that weren't so great. And so they connected in that way. And then he invited her to his small group on Tuesday nights. And she just loved it. And then she started coming to church. And she loved that. And Hunter said, well, next thing you need to do is you need to go to Landmark 101. And three weeks ago, she went to Landmark 101. And two weeks ago, she called me and said, hey, I've made my decision. When, when, you, when would you baptize me? I'm like, Sarah, I'll baptize you anytime you want, day or night. You just let me know. She said, Sunday night at 8 o'clock. I'm going to invite the two groups I'm in. They're going to be here. We met up here. And what I love is this past Wednesday night, I invited Hunter to share with the group how God had used him. It was a beautiful thing. And then there was also another story in our group. And this is sort of from the other end of the spectrum. You, most of you know Udwa Kafangaday. I mean, she's an amazing professor out at Faulkner, a very bold person. And she's been a part of our group over just the last couple months. And uh, she emailed me this letter about meeting a young man named Marion. She was at Freed Harbin University, 
doing some work up there, and she had this encounter. Let me just read it. This encouraged me so much. She said, walking through FHU last week was an awesome experience. After attending chapel, I was walking toward the library when I saw a young man sitting by himself in the commons on his phone. The voice of reason urged me not to bother him, but I chose to ignore him and listen rather to Buddy's voice in my head whispering quietly, one more, one more. Not expecting anything to happen, I decided to compromise. By not saying anything to the young man after asking his permission to share the bench on this beautiful spring afternoon, I I sat, brought out my phone, started checking work emails. The young man made a phone call. As soon as he hung up, he started talking to me about the object of his phone call. His phone call was about plans to retake his GED. And he shared with me that he had chickened out of taking the math section 14 years ago when he was 14 years old. But now realized he had to have a high school diploma. So for the next hour, Mary and I talked. Questions like, do you think it's too late for me to go back to school? Why would a man abandon his kids? You see, Marion had been raised by a single mom. What if there's no godly woman out there for me? What do you do when it feels like God is just waiting to hit you with a sledgehammer because of all the bad things you've done, left no doubt in my mind that this was a divine encounter. Mary and I explored John three sixteen, In the simplicity that Andy Stanley had shared in a DVD we'd watched in class last week. We talked about God's love for an imperfect nation of Israel and that the condition was to believe in him, not to be sinless or perfect. It was obvious that my new friend was searching and so I pointed him to the nearby Henderson Church of Christ with a note to the preacher there who was my personal friend. I gave him a hug and my contact information, rushing to the meeting that I was already late for, knowing without a doubt that I just witnessed another Acts chapter 8 moment. One more, I whispered. Just one more so, Lord. Don't you love that? Because that's the way we all need to be. We need to be captured by the purposes of God in such a way that God can use ordinary fallen people like you and I to carry his word to the ends of the earth. So, I hope you see from this verse, it's, it's not about me and you coming up with some new scheme. It's about God. It's about you and I being marked by his presence. People know there's something different about us. It's about us walking in his power, not our power. And it's about us being captured, not by our agenda, but by his purposes. So one verse that I think could change me and I believe could change this church. So would you like to be a revolutionary? I've got two very practical things I'd like you and I to do before we sing in just a moment. First is a declaration of independence, and second is a declaration of dependence. If you're going to be who God wants you to be, you need to declare independence from those things or that thing that is holding you back from being who you need to be for God. 
And so if, if you haven't taken your outline out yet, please take it out right now because I want you to spend just a moment there writing. And under that bottom part, under Declaration of Independence, I want you to declare war on something. Guys, this is a revolution. This is not a playground. This is not a cruise ship. This is a battleship. What do you need to declare war on? Now, let me give you a couple examples. I think many of us, maybe as a church, we need to declare war on complacency. You see, one problem with the church that at least from the outside looking in appears to be successful is, is we begin to be complacent with where we are. We think it's okay not to win that many people to Christ. We think it's okay for a few people to walk out the back door. We think it's okay. Gail Durden shared this quotation with our staff the other day that I liked so much. Declare war on complacency. You cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. So maybe complacency is what you need to declare war on. That's mine. Or here's another one mediocrity. Sometimes we're just okay. We're not real bad. We're not real good. We're just mediocre. And I love a quotation a friend shared with me yesterday. He sent me a, a message I was listening to. It was really good, but this was the, the line that stood out with me. My fear of mediocrity overcame my fear of the unknown. But what's he saying there? I was more afraid of being mediocre then I was afraid of stepping out on faith by God when I didn't know what was going to happen. Boy, I'm telling you, I was so glad I heard that yesterday because all week I've been questioning myself about whether I should say what I said to you at the beginning of this sermon. Should I really say there's something missing? Should I really say I don't really have the answers? Should I really say to this church that blesses my life so much that we're not where we ought to be? Should I say that? How's that going to come across? Are people going to be upset about that? Are they going to be negative about that? Are they going to get defensive about that? Are you going to think, who in the world do you think you are to say that? Guys, let me tell you, that quotation put me over the edge. I am more afraid of us being mediocre than I'm afraid of me walking off the unknown and to see what God's going to do in this church. And guys, so many of us are held back because we're so afraid. If I really stepped out for God, what would the people at work say? What would the people at my school say? If I really live for God in this church and I didn't put up with complacency and lukewarmness in this church, what would it do? My friends, we need to be more afraid of mediocrity than we are afraid of walking into the unknown with God in His presence. Now, maybe yours is something different. What do you need this morning to declare war on? Maybe it is mediocrity. Maybe it is complacency. Maybe you'd say it's lukewarmness. Maybe today you need to declare war on misplaced priorities. Maybe there's a sin issue in your life that is plaguing your life over and over and over again. Maybe it's the alcohol you can't let go of. Maybe it's the porn you can't stop looking at. Maybe it's the gossip that you participate in. What is that sin issue that you need to declare war on? Maybe it's materialism. You're just way too busy about the accumulation of things and, and your agenda is about the purchase of the next thing instead of the will of God. Maybe it's just your busyness that's crowding God and His purposes out of your schedule. Maybe it's just plain selfishness. Maybe it's just you've become spiritual, spiritually lazy. Because you're never going to do better about that. Maybe you have... 
you've slowly but surely slipped from being so a part of the purposes of God that, that you're just a, like we are talking about last, last week in our sermon, you come to this church only as a consumer, not as a contributor. You love it. It's nice. It's exciting. Sort of makes you feel better on Sunday. But as for being involved in ministry and helping people and reaching out to people and serving in this church, you're not. Declare war on it. Declare war on it. So what are you going to declare war on? I hope you either write it down or you get it in your head. Because if you don't declare war on it, it's not going to change. And we're not going to change. So that's the declaration of dependence. The second thing I think we've got to do this morning is we need a declaration, excuse me, that's the declaration of independence. What we need this morning is a declaration of dependence. If I notice anything about what happens in Acts, it's about these, these people who are so, you know, they've been so messed up. I mean, when Jesus dies, they run. They deny him. You know, when, when push comes to shove, they've been scared to death, but they have now been transformed by the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And they're walking in His presence. And they're powerful because they're dependent on Him. Guys, if we're going to be not just above average church, but we're going to be this church, we're going to be on our knees, I'm just telling you, declaring our dependence on Him. And I'm just going to say this, till we get there, we're not going to get here. Did you hear that? Until we get there, we're not going to get here. So this morning, I'd like us to declare our dependence on the Lord. You don't have to write anything down about this. I'm going to ask you to participate in something. This might be a little uncomfortable. All of you may not be able to do it. But I, I want to invite all of us to get on our knees. Just right now, just go ahead and if, if the best way you can angle your body or get out in the aisle or whatever you need to do, let's get on our knees as a declaration of dependence from God. <laughs> Reminds me of the story of the church business meeting and they're meeting and they're, they're really uptight about something. Everybody's arguing and everybody's mad at each other and nothing can happen. And finally, one of the deacons speaks up and says, let's pray about it. And the preacher, before he could think about what he's saying, said, has it come to this? Let me say to you this morning, it has come to this. If we're going to be who we need to be, it's going to be because God is who he is. Amen? So let's pray together. God, as we get on our knees together, Lord, this is the most beautiful sight I've seen in this church in a long time. And Lord, I know there may be some who just physically can't do it, Lord, but are spiritually on their knees with us. And God, I pray, I pray, God, that you would be with us. Lord, I pray as Moses, Lord, we're not leaving this place without you. God, God we, we can't go into the promised land without you, Father. We're, we're not leaving. And, and maybe we've frustrated you, Lord. Maybe at times you've seen our, our lukewarmness and our, our complacency and our mediocrity, Lord. And, and you have removed your spirit, Lord. I don't know. I really don't. But God, we say to you today, Lord, that we are completely dependent on you. 
that we will not move, God, until you move with us, Lord. God, and we don't. We don't know the answer, Lord. We thank you for all the great things that happen in this church. We thank you for the wonderful spirit exists in this church. But, Lord, we, we know, if we're honest, we're not everything we ought to be, Lord. We're not a, on a mission like this early church. We're not seeing your power work the way it did there in the book of Acts, Lord. We are, um, people are not noticing that we're marked by your presence to the way that it ought to be, that people could just know there's something about us, that we're with you and that you're in us. And Lord, we want to be a part of a church, God, because we know, God, that you do it through your church. And Lord, we confess that there is no other organization No secular organization, no Christian organization that has been called to do what your church has been called to do. And yet sometimes we give more time and effort to those organizations than we do to the one organization that's been called to do your will on this earth. So, Lord, we want to be your church. Now, we're not talking about some kind of arrogant way, Lord. We're not talking about being sectarian, Lord. And that's not, we just want to be so marked by you that people don't even have to see the sign out front. They just, if they drive by this place, they know there's something special going on. And so, Father, we surrender to you, God. We are dependent. Lord, we don't know what we need to do. We don't know where we need to go. But, God, we trust you. We trust you, Lord. And we submit and we surrender our lives to you. And, Father, we, we ask you, we invite you. Father, whatever we just said we need to declare war on, God, we can only win that war with you. God, we... Some of these things we've tried to battle on our own. We've been unsuccessful, God. But with you, Lord, we know that we can put those things behind us and that we can walk out of here independent of those things and dependent on you, Father, and that you could do things among us individually, among our family, among this church, in this community that could only be explained by your participation. Father, we want to be a part of the unexplainable. We confess that we are weak, that often we don't know what we're doing, and that we've got to have you. And Lord, thank you for leading us to this point, because this is where we must be. So God, may the posture of our bodies be the posture of our hearts as we walk out of this place today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, see if you can get up. I'll make one more point, then we're going to sing. If today you want to, if today's the day you want to join the revolution, and you want to be born again, and you want to start your life all over again, and you want to be marked by the Holy Spirit, that's one of the great promises of baptism this morning, that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. If today's the day you want to do that, do not delay. If today's the day that you need to become a revolutionary, because the truth is there's nothing really revolutionary about your life, they want you to come today. You see, the book of Acts ends very abruptly. In fact, chapter 28, it's the last chapter, and the last word in the book of Acts in, in, in the NIV is unhindered. But scholars say the word means unleashed. And it seems very purposeful 
that the writer of Acts, Luke, didn't end it on some note, didn't tie it up in some beautiful ribbon, didn't even give some kind of goodbye. He just abruptly ended it with that word unleashed. And I think his purpose was the book of Acts is not supposed to end. So may it begin again today, only by his power among his people. Let's stand and sing.